Welcome to Career Tools. Today's show, internal interviews. Here we go. Okay, I've got to ask you here. I don't understand why we are doing this podcast. We're talking about internal interviews. It is so easy. People already know you. They know what you do. <laughs> you, it's, it's easy. You don't have to prepare a lot. I mean, it's just yeah. an easy thing. So why are we even talking about this? That's what I want to know. Well, maybe you don't need to listen. I mean, <laughs> you know, you've got it down. So and typically when no we're talking, you, I'm not dude. listening, just so you know. Yeah, that's right. Oh, good. Doing email, are you? <laughs> multitasking. My partner's a multitasker. Sounds like a horror movie. Yeah, there um, you go. Yeah, well, look, here's the thing. Internal interviews can be tricky for people. Look, when given two different sets of assumptions about things, people will choose the set of assumptions that make it easier on them, particularly something that yeah, is even, even if it's not an accurate assumption. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, well, look. <laughs> yeah, well, two sets of assumptions, usually by definition, one is going to be more accurate than the other one. Right. And, you know, people assume that, well, they know me, right? If you know the hiring manager, if you know the managers well, you see them every day. They know your strengths. He certainly knows you don't come to suit, come to work in a suit every day. So he's going to think you're an idiot for wearing one. If you're interviewing for a role close to you or for promotion nearby, this thinking that, well, I should just be me, right? That, that should be the authentic thing. And I hear that word um, from younger professionals a lot these days. And unfortunately, the rules are still the rules as it comes to interviewing. And the fact that the guy knows your strengths is actually not accurate relative to the new role you're going to be interviewing for. And even though he knows you're come to work in a suit, you won't look like an idiot if you do. So we have three recommendations regarding internal interviews. And these are the actionable things, but we've got a lot more to, to, to hang on them as a way to help people understand the rationale behind why we recommend something that your friends will tell you we're wrong. Well, your friends don't get paid to do this, uh, and <laughs> your you friends go. are wrong. I hate to tell people that, but but it's true. I, I'll never forget the guy who told me once, oh, this is 25 years ago, said, look, I had my uncle look at the resume, and so he says, he says what you're recommending is wrong. I said, well, who's your uncle? He says, well, he's been a conductor on the railroad for a number of years. Okay. Now, look, I happen to know some railroad conductors, and they're great people, but they've probably been doing the same job for or doing railroad stuff for a long time and haven't had a need for a resume. And why are you listening to your uncle? Right. When you're interviewing for a, a management role somewhere, yeah, a technology exactly. organization, right? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> folks, what people will tell you regarding interviewing internally is likely wrong. And this is what's right. Three recommendations. You have to prepare. Number one, you've got to prepare as if it's external. Okay. And there's a really important reason for that we'll share in a minute. Number two, you got to wear a suit. I know. I know your company doesn't, but you wear one anyway. Okay. Don't write me a note and say, well, Mark, here's the reasons why I wouldn't wear a suit. I'm going to say back, thank you. Feel free not to wear a suit, but don't come crying to me when you don't get what you want. Uh, wear a suit. Okay. And third, you've got to answer questions as if the interviewer has no knowledge of you. Because frankly, for most of the roles they're considering you for, they probably haven't thought of you that way. They might have a good feeling about your present role, but you've got to answer assuming they don't know. Otherwise, you can't expect them to remember the stuff they need to know in order to make a good decision. Okay. 
So prepare as if it were external. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So look, you attack it as if you were interviewing externally and nobody knew you. That That's the key. The theme, really the theme of this cast is, do you really want this job or not? If you want the job, whether it's promotion or a sideways move into a new department, uh, which, which you have interest in, or a chance to be on the greatest project the company has ever undertaken. And if they're smart, if it's the greatest project, they're going to interview people rather than just handpicking. Um, you've got to prove it. Interviewing is about saying no. That interviewer is going to say no, lacking any really distinctive information. How does treating this externally make a difference? Like what, what behavioral issue do I, do I have if I don't think of it as being an external interview? Yeah, we're not saying you're not able to do the job, folks. We know that many of you would be absolutely more valuable for your company in a different role that you want and your skills are better suited for. The problem we see over and over again is this, this sense of, well, I wouldn't do that because that's not the way I am at work. Or, you know, the suit thing is a classic sort of visual representation. Well, I wouldn't wear that at work. People wouldn't really, you know, they, they would think, oh, look how artificial it is. And you know what? You're right. It is artificial. And I don't know if anybody's heard me over the last few <laughs> years, but interviewing is an artificial reality designed by companies to keep people out. And you might say, well, I'm already in. Well, you're not into the job you want. You're into the company, but there's a standard to get in and there's a standard to get the right job. And they're both interviews. And if it's interviewing, there's an artificially high wall. People don't, they seem to be shy about putting their head a, a sort of above the parapet or ab above the cubicle wall and saying, this thing here, I want this. Yeah, I don't want to seem too eager, right? Because then I'm not cool. And I don't mean cool in the sense of cool like kids in high school, but right? I mean, it's, it's that kind of attitude. Yeah, I think, I think that you put it really, really well. You say, I don't want to seem too eager. Let's take the seeming out of it or not. Let's take that seeming out of it. Are you eager or not? Is there a definition of too much eagerness? I don't think there is other than unless it's translated into behavior. And what makes people think that they can be the judge of what too much eagerness is? And let me be even more specific. For those of you who are technical, I'm going to speak directly to you. For those of you who pride yourself on your geekness, which by the way, you know, it's funny, Mike, don't you agree? 20 years ago, geek was 25 years ago, maybe geek was a, a pejorative. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. I mean, there much. are people who still use it as a pejorative, but frankly, I've heard geek applied to political people, geek applied to technical people, of course, marketing geeks, right? And, and it's just people who are really into it. And, and right. right now I'm speaking to the technical geeks of the world who pride themselves on their technical skills, whether it's architecture or code writing or, or solving complex problems with unique solutions that get to the nub of the issue. You are probably thinking you don't want to market yourself. That's fine. But interviewing is about marketing. If you don't want to interview because you don't like the theory of interviewing, that's okay. Just don't expect to get what interviewing will get you. And the vast majority of jobs that people want internally require interviews. We've had a previous cast about this where we say, look, if you have a chance for an internal interview, if somebody asks you to interview for something, you, your answer should be yes. Not because you definitely want the job, because interviewing doesn't mean you want the job. It means uh, I said that wrong. We want you to interview, not because you 
want or don't want the job, but because you haven't decided yet. And if you might have an interest, you should go interview. And what's funny is people have said to me since that cast came out, well, you know, I wasn't really sure. So I just said, no, I said, God, that's the whole point of the cast. People want interviewing to be easy or frankly, what they want is to not have interviews. That's like saying, I don't like stoplights, so I'm going to avoid them. I, I, or I have two theories of stoplights. One, I don't like them. So I only go through inter- intersections that don't have them. Or number two, I just ignore their guidance. Well, that's pretty risky. And it's okay to ignore stoplights. I'm okay, folks, with you ignoring stoplights, as long as you make sure me and my family are not with you or around you. And secondly, as long as you don't complain about the potential risks associated with that, right? Which are fairly severe. And people just don't want to be different. But the whole point of interviewing is to get distinctive, is to be the most distinctively positive candidate. By definition, you have to put your head above the parapet. You have to raise your head above the cubicle wall and say, this is something that I really want. And I'm willing for other people to know I really want it. You know, I I, I use words like dude and cool and, and so on. And I try to be myself as much as possible. But if you think it's cool to not want things, that's okay. Because I I think I've said this before on air that being rich is not having everything you want. It's the absence of wanting more. It's being comfortable with what you have. And too many people are saying, well, I I don't want people to think I really, really want this. Why not? If you believe you'd be better there, there's nothing wrong with want. There's nothing wrong with desire. And if you're going to be on an important project and you don't desire to be on that project, if you think it's just another job, Gosh, what's going to happen is you're going to put the hours into it that you put into your job now. And maybe you put in a lot of hours. I don't mean to to be disrespectful to anybody. But but if you're going to be on the most important project in the company, you're going to have to show people you really, really want it. What is one of Horstman's laws, right? I'll take 90% less ability for 10% more attitude every day of the week. Right. It, it, it's true for you as well as it is for me, right? I mean, I if I had a project and I had two individuals interviewing for the, the, the spot and one person was... Yeah, clearly, but but not by great leaps and bounds, was clearly technically superior to the other, but didn't seem terribly excited about it. And the other person had less technical ability, but was terribly excited about it and just wanted to come and bust their ass. Wouldn't you hire that second person? Yeah. The one that's ex- motivated and excited about it? Every single time. Every single time. Yeah. So the thing is, when people interview externally, People don't have this concern. They're not as yet, they're not invested as much in the relationship with those people. They don't feel the risk quite as great of saying, I really want this. And well, they've never met me, so I need to show my best self. Well, I got to tell you something. I mean, Wendy and I, just this morning, we're recording this cast late in the morning. And, and uh, this morning, Wendy and I finished some very important work. And we both worked really hard on it. At the end of the call, I, I thanked her for it profusely for the amount of work she put into it. And she made a comment about, this is exciting. I'm really excited about what this is going to do for us. Why should the only time we show our best selves be in an external interview? I almost think that's disrespectful to the people we are working with. So I think a lot of us, when we interview internally, we're afraid of what people might think of our ambition, that we're afraid that they really know us who we really are which makes me think, why is who you really are not your very best? And so therefore, they, they'll they be cynical about us stepping up and showing our desire. I, I got to tell you, folks, desire is an important part of 
the uh, results equation. You have to really want it. Things that are really hard, you have to want them. You can't just sashay into them easily. Um, sometimes that happens, but it's an aberration. And you've heard me say before, I'm sure that opposites attract. You've heard that phrase opposite attract. It's false, folks. It's totally false. Opposites do not attract. Like people attract one another, but we say opposites attract because it's so distinctively unusual that our brain points out that that doesn't follow the pattern of humankind. And wow, isn't that interesting? And because the brain points it out every time, it seems as if anecdotally or emotionally, the statistics favor opposites attracting when in fact they don't. Same thing's true. Your friend who happened to have a friend in the right job who said, I'll get you the right job and slid his buddy in, that stands out for you. Wow, wasn't that cool? That's dramatic. Isn't it nice to know people? And oh, by the way, there you go again. There we go again saying building your network is important, but that's rare. And the reason you notice it is because it's rare. It's not normal. The way things normally happen is there's an internal opening. People interview for it. And the person who interviews best, assuming that interviewing best is not three standard deviations from what their normal day-to-day behavior is, is going to be the one that gets the job. You can't interview. Well, I'm sorry. You can have an interviewing process that is essentially designed to validate who the first choice is. But if they were going to choose their first choice without an interview, they wouldn't be interviewing. Interviewing is an opportunity to make a difference, and people who don't take advantage of it miss the opportunity in the 20 things maybe they're looking at. Maybe interviewing is only four or five of them, but you're essentially saying, well, I'll pay three quarters of this football game, but I'm not going to pay the fourth. Or I'll play the first half of this soccer game or this football game, but not the second half. For some reason, people think that the attitude equation changes when people are interviewing internally. And it doesn't, folks. It just really doesn't. We want to see your passion, your enthusiasm, your ambition for this job as much as we saw it from you when you joined the company. Hopefully, you showed it then. If your competition is all internal, your acting as if it were an external interview will come across powerfully. There might be somebody, some people who smile sort of wryly and go, wow, he really wanted it. But I promise you there'll be at least one and perhaps more than one. And if they're executives, they'll be the vast majority of them will say, wow, this guy really wants it. Yeah. And they may to themselves, I mean, to each other, they may chuckle a little bit about it. Yeah. But when they're chuckling, they're feeling good about it. I mean, it's it's distinctive, right? Well, the, here's the danger. The danger is if it's not just internal, but the, the, the search is external, oh, the folks that are coming externally- death. They know what they need to do. They're going to be impressive. They're going to be excited. They're going to be on the edge of their seats. And they're you're not going to look like crap next to them. Yeah, they're going to be passionate and and you are going to look, yeah, you're going to look like crap next to them. And then you're going to complain, well, that's really not fair because they're external and they know to do that. But I really didn't feel I could do that. Hey, it was a choice you made. And we're telling you it's the wrong choice to, quote, be yourself. We're not, we're not telling you be not yourself in an interview. We're telling you to be your smart, aggressive, persuasive passionate self. Now, look, we, we have a number of casts on preparation for interviews. We're not going to go over all the guidance here. What we do want to reiterate, though, is to do the research to get ready for the interview as if it were an external interview. If the company you work in is big enough, there's stuff happening that's important for you to know that you probably don't know because your head's down, you're in the weeds, and that's okay. You know, you forget to look up every now and again, but look at your company website, figure out what division this com- this opportunity is in, understand the opportunity, talk to people internally. Look, if I knew I was interviewing in two weeks with somebody in another part of the company, I'd go, I'd talk to my friends, they tell me what you know about this project. Tell me what you know about this job. Tell me what you know about this. Who's involved? Who's the sponsoring executive? What's wrong with going to the sponsoring executive and say, I've got an interview in a week or two. I've got some questions. I'd love to know more about this or that or the other thing. 
I'll tell you what, if I were that executive, I'd say, great. And if you're the only one that did that, and that makes you ask me better questions or ask some other executive who's interviewing you better questions in the interview, wow, right? This is somebody who really, really wants it. And again, all things being equal, which you have to assume they're going to be in an interview, otherwise, why interview? This is a competitive advantage. It's one of those, rather than a death by a thousand cuts, it's life by a thousand cuts, right? Because you're the one that, that will have more of the boxes checked than the person. Look, if the, the external person can't go talking to a bunch of people internally, probably use that as an advantage. When we talked about phone interviews, remember how we talked about, look, if you're not in person with a person, you can be standing up, you can have your resume in front of you, you can have your, your, your note cards in front of you, you can have your clothes pre-written out. All that stuff benefits you being distant and that helps overcome the distance that makes it harder for them to see your facial expressions and your body language when you're on the phone. Same thing true for an internal interview. The external person can't talk to four or five people internally because people are always complaining, I don't know who's going to be interviewing me. I don't really know details of the job. Well, okay, use your internal location as an advantage and go talk to people all around the project and find out things in advance. And if each one of them says, well, we probably should leave that for the interview. So, well, okay, I just wanted to make sure that I get everything I possibly could. And they'll answer four or five questions and they'll probably say, hey, this is really interview stuff. Okay, fine. But you sent a message that you're willing to do what it takes. Look at your website, read press releases. Which board members have changed in the last few months? What's the market saying about the company? Where does this project or this division fit in to the larger growth aspirations of the company? And, you know, and folks, this is even true in small companies. There might be only 50 people in the company, but that doesn't mean there isn't information in the public domain that you don't know about. There are days at manager tools in our four person company when we realize we're not all on the same page at all. And if there's no information, taking some time to think about the direction the company is going in, what decisions have been made recently, what you can bring to the table, and so on is useful time spent. Absolutely. So I just want to say it again. We already have in the interviewing series and another public cast, we have specific recommendations for how to prepare. And all of those still apply in detail for internal interviews, but we're not going to just skim over them and do them a disservice, nor are we going to bore you with every single detail because this would be a 10 hour cast. Exactly. Okay. So let's go on to the the topic that just, oh. I, I know as soon as you said it, when you told people wear a suit, oh, yeah. uh, they're just like, oh, okay, not listening oh, to this yeah. or I'm going to skip that part. Yeah, they're, you know, I'm going to ignore manager tools because, yeah, I don't really agree with that whole suit thing. Frankly, I think a lot of people, in order to address their cognitive dissonance, say, I don't like wearing a suit. I prefer jeans at work. And by the way, folks, on a lot of days, I do too. And so they say, I don't like wearing a suit. And so therefore, what they say is, I don't need to wear a suit, right? There, there, there are reasons why I don't need to, and that justifies my not liking to. Yeah, uh, well, okay, but I, I get you. There's probably some people that feel that way. I think the vast majority of our listeners, when they react negative, they're reacting because, look, it's just not the culture we have. We come to work in jeans. Some people wear shorts. Some people wear flip-flops. But right. you never see anybody in a suit. Even if we're dressing business casual, we never see anybody in a suit. And so, one, they don't want to look odd because they're, they're actually – you know, telegraphing to everybody in the company, <laughs> something's going on here, right? Right. And maybe it's a position where they don't interact with clients. So it's pretty clear that, hey, uh, the guy's interviewing for a job and they, they have a hang up about that. It's it's stupid. I mean, I, I don't think yeah. they ought to, but it's stupid. Right. And I agree. They don't, and, and they don't want to look foolish in front of the person with whom they're interviewing. They're going to stick out and they think they're going to look foolish. Yeah, I know. I've heard it and they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, you know, I look, 
I know I get in trouble for saying things like, you're wrong, but look, if you tell me the sky is green and I look outside and it's blue, I say, well, you're wrong. I mean, I could, I can sugarcoat it if you like, but let's save some time. You're wrong. Gentlemen, wear a suit and a tie. Ladies, wear a suit and heels. Okay. They don't have to be four inch. If you want to wear princess heels, that's fine. Or kitten heels, fine. Okay. But you know, heels. Okay. Now you mentioned something about other people's perceptions. I just want to share something with you. Here's been my experience coaching executives who I've been working with that then have chances for internal interviews. There are two types of people who will respond internally, whether they're interviewing or not. The first time of person, and we're talking about your peers, let's say you walk into the office in a suit because you have a 9 a.m. interview and your peers all start ribbing you. Okay. Now, first, there are two groups of people. You probably don't see that there are two groups because they're all ribbing you. But let's be clear about something, okay? The ones that rib, that start the ribbing are the ones who wouldn't wear a suit, okay? Or are really cynical about personal marketing and the idea that dressing up the way you would for a wedding, the way you would for church, the way you would for a funeral, the way you would for other significant events in your life. I mean, people don't interview three or four times a year, right? Once a year. Most people go to maybe one wedding a year so. If you could wear a suit to a wedding, and I know there's some of you saying, well, I wear jeans to wedding. Okay, sorry, I'm not speaking to you. But there's a group that will start the ribbing. The second group who will agree with the ribbing is simply going along as a matter of social convention. Because when one person's ribbing, if it's a if it's an obvious opportunity to give a hard time to somebody, the other group will go along. The second group, which I'll, I'll describe in more detail in a moment, is not going to say, hey, leave them alone. Okay, they're not. Because... People work well together. They feel comfortable teasing one another. A little bit of teasing is, okay, I think it's stupid, but okay, fine. They do it anyway. The first group will tease you. Oh, yeah, you look great. Huh. The second group will go along. The second group will go along while privately thinking, crap, that guy is wearing a suit. That's competition. This guy gets it. And I promise you, part of that second group will determine that maybe they've been wrong about wearing a suit. And you will never know that's in their head, that you will never see the fear that they're feeling about, wow, this guy, he ain't leaving anything to chance. This is a throwdown. We're not fencing here. These are swords and we're going to stab each other. Somebody's going to win. Okay. And everybody will tease you. And so you think it's like all the, you know, it's the crabs pulling each other back down into the boiling water. Okay, and you think that means everybody thinks it's wrong to wear a suit. That's wrong. There are some people who absolutely agree with you. And it reminds me of the Harvard cheer. That's all right. That's okay. You all work for us someday. Um, Look, if you're a genius software architect, there are roles that you will get and you will never have to dress up for. If you are a total flipping genius, okay, people will find jobs for you. And I've often said manager tools is for 90% of the managers and career tools is for 90% of the people, 90% of the time. Okay. There are a few of you who are listening and say, nah, I don't have to do that. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you who you are. And so if you choose to be one of those people, and, and generally if I took a group of a hundred, there are two that uh, can get away with not doing this. And I won't tell you who those two are. And I believe that 30 of you believe that you're those two. 30, 15 <laughs> times as many. So you're, you know, it's, it's Russian roulette with interviewing. Yeah. So if you're believing this you're, if you believe that you're one of those two people, yeah. you're probably wrong. Yeah, and, and let me be clear about something. When Mike and I were executives, 
neither he nor I were those two. Certainly not me. <laughs> yeah. And definitely not me either. Right. Okay. So l- but let me go back. Okay. There's a number of good reasons why, separate from ignoring the small people around you who don't want you to succeed publicly by showing your desire because they don't want to show their desire. It's much easier if you don't want to show your desire to convince other people to also not show their desire. That's one less competitive advantage that you would have over them. But look, five reasons. Number one, obviously, it demonstrates when you wear a suit, it demonstrates you're taking this process seriously. If this job is just another day at the office for you, then don't bother, right? If it's something you really want, if you know, if the role were external, would you wear a suit? Yeah, you would. So that therefore you should. It makes you take the process seriously is the second reason. If you wear a suit, you're going to act differently. It'll be harder to be your normal self with Joe, your manager, or Joe, the executive who's worked with you before, with whom you swap fishing stories every Monday. It'll force you to act more professionally with him. It will say to him, I'm ready. It will tell you you're ready. Also, it proves you can. Even if the role you want is a shift leader role in your current company, wearing a suit demonstrates if you were promoted to a manager in 18 months, you know how to wear a suit and act professionally when it comes to meetings where you would have to. And there's a chance that you will. In fact, I remember talking to somebody once. I asked him a question. Does your president of your company, it was a small company, like 100 people. Is the president of your company ever wear a suit? And he said, no, not at work. I said, I didn't ask you work. I said, does he ever wear a suit? Well, not at work. I said, does he ever wear a suit? Sure. When does he wear a suit? Well, I've seen him wear a suit in church. Uh, okay. And what, what? where else? I've, I've seen him wear a church when he goes and talks at Rotary and Kiwanis and Lions Clubs. For those of you who are not in the U.S., those are social community clubs that uh, in the U.S. that are generally populated by businessmen and women uh, who are involved in trying to keep their communities forward thinking and, and, and serving people who are less well served by the government and other other. Uh, charities and so on. And I said, well, why do you think he does that? Oh, to impress people. I said, oh, he doesn't wear a suit at work. So you think he shouldn't wear one there? Well, I don't know. He does. So in other words, the president of your company realizes that there are some situations where wearing a suit is appropriate. In the last six months, what's been the most important day in your work life? <laughs> and, and people always say, well, it'd be this interview. Uh, okay. Maybe we ought to wear a suit. And even though your president doesn't wear one to the office, this is you saying it's important to me today. Number four, oh, this is one of my favorites. Your interviewer might be dressed up. You might think you know your interviewer. You might think you know him well, and you always see him in khakis and a sweater. So you dress the same. What do you do when he surprises you and demonstrates that he takes interviewing seriously by wearing a suit because this is the biggest project the company's ever had? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And look, and the fifth one is a no-brainer. It's always better to be overdressed and underdressed in an interview. Always. Period. Yeah, there's risk. And and what have we said a hundred times, right? This is not risk-free career tools. It's career tools. So there's risk. There's also a risk in not wearing one. And the risk is somebody else is. They do everything else as well as you. And if they have to choose desire, somebody says, well, this guy wore a suit, right? This guy really worked at it. And you know, it'd be funny. Imagine interviewing in khakis and a sweater when an external guy comes in in a suit. He gets credit for wearing a suit. Sure now, there might be people who ding him and go, Ooh. It, it, what's funny is the people around you who dinged you for wearing a suit are not going to ding that outside guy for wearing a suit. What's up with that? Should we set our standards lower because we're internal? I would argue your standards need to be higher because you're saying, I respect this company enough to say, this is more important to me than going outside. 
I want you guys to make a really good decision. I'm going to use everything in my advantage, everything in my power to, to give myself an advantage. That's the way I show respect for my firm. Yeah. I think a lot of folks think that because they're internal, they, they would get the nod, all things being equal. And that's probably true. But the challenge, though, is the folks that are coming externally, they're on their best behavior. Yeah. They have none of the negatives. Like you have positives. You're in a company. Okay, you have positives. You have negatives as well. Person coming externally doesn't have any of those negatives. Right. If they're able to interview well, you know, the, their interviewer is not going to see all those mistakes they've made in their lives. And they may have made some big ones, but the interviewer is not going to see them. They That's know exactly about yours. Right. right? So give yep. yourself every advantage. Now, this ties to our next point pretty well, which is answer questions as if the interviewer has no knowledge of you, precisely for some of the reasons I just stated. Yeah. Folks, you probably never heard this before from us, but HR generally teaches interviewers that they can only rate you on information they gain from the interview. And this is usually large companies and it's, it's about, it's about avoiding discriminatory practices, but it also helps to level the playing field for someone who's external. So in other words, an external person really has a shot. If we're going to bring an external person in, then let's assume that they have a shot. So for managers who are interviewing someone internally, their prior knowledge about you, your work, your relationships, and so on, don't exist from the time you enter the room. That's not only HR guidance. I think what you'll find is if you're an above average performer, but you nail the interview, You'll get a lot of credit for saying, people won't say, well, this guy's not that good. He's just a good interviewee. People are not going to say that. What they're going to say is, wow, this guy really wants it. He's prepared. And apparently, I haven't seen his full skills. People give interviewing a great deal more credibility than one might think than perhaps six months worth of work product. Now, you might say, how is it fair Right. In that if you don't demonstrate to them good reasons for hiring you when you've already proven that you're good at your present job, that that, you know, that they're not going to they're not going to hire you. And how is that fair? Well, if the applicants for the role include you, a couple of people from a different department and two external candidates, the interviewer can't use prior information, as Mike was saying, about them, about the, the external candidates to make the decision because they didn't have any. So the playing field is kind of leveled when HR says, hey, don't use prior information. And. The prior information already exists, and they want an analysis of you in the interview plus the prior knowledge they have about you, okay? And look, think of it this way. Let's flip it on its head. If the, if the interviewer uses prior positive information about you and you're okay with that, would you be okay if they use prior negative information? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit more difficult, isn't yeah, it, right? a little bit. It's, I promise you, folks, it's actually better for you overall that HR teaches them to use no prior information. The fact is they're going to, they can't avoid it. It's the way their brains work. But if in fact you see the interview as a distinctive competitive arena, then you must use all of your skills to be effective in that arena, separate from any bleed over in, in your previous work experience. And so therefore you have to assume that your interviewer has never known you. When they ask, tell me about a time where you had to manage a difficult project through successful completion and you use an example from three months ago and you're interviewing with your present boss, I still promise you the fact that you took the time to prepare it is going to impress her. The fact that you bring up a couple of things that she didn't know about because bosses don't know everything you do. Thank the Lord for that. 
they're going to be like, wow, that's a skill I didn't give him credit for. Well, how would they give you credit for it if they didn't know, didn't see you do it? Well, uh, maybe they saw you did, do it. They just forgot about it. Right? They just forgot. I mean, no, really, Mike? Are you saying as managers and executives, people do stuff and we forget? I mean. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I wasn't supposed to share that secret. Yeah, that's right. I mean, how many times has Wendy gotten irritated with me? She says, are you ready to talk about X? I said, would you please resend it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make me a great person, but I know it's true about me. Yeah, we forget. Me and you and Wendy have sat, and Maggie too, have sat in far more interviews where the internal candidate has been disappointing in what he or she brought to the interview than they have where the candidate gave us too much information, which we already knew. Okay. And as interviewers, it's terrible for us to watch someone you know could be great could be great and fail because they're not really prepared to shine. Golly, all because some guy's going to laugh at you for wearing a suit. Some guy's going to laugh at you because, well, you don't have to work that hard. It's just an internal interview. And if you don't get it, you still work here, right? You can never be sure what uh, our interviewer knows or doesn't know about you. Even if you've had lengthy conversations, they may have had those lengthy conversations with other people and you can't be sure. And they're going to use your ability as an interviewee as an important criteria. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing the interview. You can't be sure that even if you told somebody in your last two jobs, you carried out X, X task and they, right, that, that they heard you and they remember it, right? Treat your interviewers as if they know nothing. Prepare as if it's an external interview. Wear a suit and really dig hard and don't apologize for preparing. What's the downside? Have you ever ran into anybody who said, and like I had this guy interview, he's an internal guy, he came in, he's got all the the right technical skills, but man, he was just too eager and he wore a suit. Yeah. I mean, come on. So I, I couldn't hire him. Really? <laughs> You've never heard that. Folks, you have my word that for every interviewer who interviews you for an internal job for which you wear a suit, who chuckles and says, oh, suit, I promise you two things are true. One, if you say to yourself, oh, that's not good, that's your own emotional stress about the risk you took talking to you and essentially validating that your less risky behavior is better because your brain has an interest in avoiding risk and outliers. And the second thing is the executive is kidding you about it because that's culturally acceptable, but he's just like group two that went along with the kidding. But the fact is he's impressed or she's impressed. I don't know of an executive. Now, I'm sure somebody's going to send me an email and say, well, I'm that guy. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say to the executive who sends me a note and says, well, Mark, I just want you to know if somebody wore a suit, I would laugh at them. And I would say, you totally don't get it. You're culturally inept and so on. I would say, okay, you know, great. It takes all kinds. And you're way out there on the long tail, either end of the bell curve. It's one in a million. It's just not going to happen. Yep. The easy way to get internal interviews right, folks, is to pretend they're external and act accordingly, bottom line. And that is it. Cool, man. That was, that was awesome. My pleasure, partner. We'll see you next week. So long. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.